going to be undone by fools and knaves before we're through with this. How are you, fools out there? Knaves, idiots, clods. Bring it up there. All the way, Charles. Oh, God. This is Kerry Grant. I'll be here for this. All right, that's all that. That's enough of that mediocrity. We're grown-up people here. Big grown-up people. We're living in a hard-hitting 20th century world of vital action. It's got to move. Bring it up there. It's going to move. Wow. That's all right, friends. That's just our favorite glacier going downhill. Bring it up. <laughs> we are the only radio station in the country that is so involved in tradition that we use wind-up turntables. At the time. And once again, Gaunt Turgeon, young 20th century American, stands on the verge. He stands on the brink of another exciting weekend. Holy smokes. Yes. Yes, this and other thrilling uh, stories from our time will be heard in the next 45 minutes. You too, as a citizen of this swirling, dynamic world of the 1960s, the swinging 60s, are standing on the brink of another exciting weekend. Are you ready? This picture is produced in cooperation with Natalie Talmus. A combined Italo-Anglo production. In full, vibrant, wall-to-wall, Technicolor Tadeo sound. Yes, once in a generation, we are privileged. Nay, we are indeed fortunate to have that one voice... Speaking out of the wilderness. Bring up the wilderness, please. Very good. That one voice who stands atop the pinnacle of understanding and perception. Who speaks, for God's sakes, for all of us. And here I am. Yes. Standing amid the charging currents of a divided world waiting for the next chapter of history to unfold waiting for the great events which are concealed in the wings to make their entrance all this and more will be yours in the next 45 minutes of dynamic hard-hitting True to life radio. Give him the thing there. Speaking of radio, this time for the money. He's come on. Let's go. Quick, quick. Hit it. Quick. Quick. Yeah, anyone. Just put it. The first one in the hand. Oh, crap. Stop it. And when I point, just put the first one in. That's all. Doesn't matter. They're all the same. I can't tell one commercial. Oh, no. You got the theme in there. Holy smokes. Oh, oh hold it. Stop. 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 Start. Start at the beginning. Now. All right. You got it in there already. <laughs> Okay, well, this is surrealism that work. This is true pop art. Hit it again now. All right, there we go. One, two, it's got to warm up, right? It's Friday. Hit it there. Once again, we're privileged to hear 
Is that machine working at all? Haven't they paid the light bill again here? Sure, cheap outfit. Well, at least uh, at least they're they're niggling on the commercial machines as well as on mine. For those of you who wonder what's going on here, I'm using John Gambling's microphone, which have, has special rabbit ears on it to give a little depth and little lows to what he does. And if I don't sound like myself, it's because of that. Now, is it already in there now? No? Okay, then forget the commercials. I've done my bit. <laughs> Boy, you guys don't know how lucky you are. You've just missed the giant blizzard of terrible... Oh, no, no, no. Put the theme under the wastebasket there. It'll keep coming up here throughout. Get that out of there. Pull that out of the slot because you're going to keep putting it on. <laughs> no, uh, you don't realize just how closely you have missed uh, a total blizzard of commercials. Now, look, anytime you get them ready in there, you just give me the nod. I don't know what's going on. But anytime it's, it's ready to go, let me know, and I'll hit them with them. But, uh, you know, I wonder how many times in our lifetime, though, when we're walking down a street any street or driving along a road when we have just missed total disaster and not known about it. And not known about it. Now, now uh, the, the average radio listener out there does not know that he has missed seven straight one-minute commercials produced by the most warped brains on Madison Avenue. Now, you got them ready now? All right, let's hear one of them. Now, this is the kind of stuff you missed. <laughs> yes, sir. Rasmataz is the sound of ragtime, the gay ninety version of progressive jazz. Drunken crowd back again and drawing big crowds all across America. Right here, the crowd just can't get enough. <laughs> where you find today's people, you'll find today's beer. Back to the Listen, now that's what I call beer. Baby. That's today's people, all right. Yo, waiter, four more slits. <laughs> Charlie, you're a genius. This is the best beer I ever tasted. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Today's sound, today's people, and real gusto in a great light beer. Hey, Ronnie. Slips. Oh, Ronnie, where are the men Milwaukee, another city. Can you find me another Schlitz, bartender? Mister, we're out of Schlitz. We're out of beer. Yes, friends, direct from Rome. At the great time of the fall, we brought you the preceding one-minute excerpt. <laughs> yes, today's people. Well, now, uh, although, seriously, friends, we are standing on the edge, the brink, of an exciting, dynamic weekend. And, um, and I don't know whether or not you share with me as being a true blue, honest, 100%, thoroughgoing, God bless America, American. I don't know whether or not you share with me the vague, fugitive excitement of the weekend. The weekend which stands out there rife with unplumbed promise. <laughs> unplumbed scores that are yet to be... I shouldn't use that word. Do you have anything else? Uh, just hit it there. Let's go. Holy smokes. Yes. Look deep down inside of yourself, friends. Down there where those little slithy toes live. Down there where the monsters lurk. In the depths of your internal being. Look inside of yourself and ask yourself this question. Will this be a weekend when it happens? <laughs> wow! Or will it be like every other weekend? 
You'll find yourself Saturday afternoon quietly picking your teeth and sucking at an empty beer can, watching the Mets drop another doubleheader on a flickery television set cursed with the greatest ghost this side of a castle in Ireland. Will you find yourself Sunday afternoon picking your toes knee-deep in an old New York Times? Or will you find yourself riding atop the crest of a wave of pure passion? Woo! Yes, a surfboarder in the world of... Whoopiesville. Yes, picking up one wave and laying it down. Hanging ten all the way. It'll be exciting, isn't it, Ken, this weekend? Yeah, I know. I know, I'm hip. I'm part of the scene, too, you know. I'm part of the scene, too, and I know just as well as the next guy that all the well-laid plans of mice and men glee. I am perfectly aware of that. And I am also perfectly aware of other things, maybe perhaps because of the strange position in which one finds oneself when dealing with vast public communication systems. It's like, you know, there's one thing, seriously, friends, he and I certainly know that you're my friend, of course, that I'm perfectly aware that there's a difference between the fly who flies around and gets himself caught in the middle of a spider web than the denizen of that web himself. The, The viewpoints towards spider webs are very different. And as a matter of fact, if you were to ask a black widow spider what the black widow thought of spider webs, they would have a very concise, clean view of the situation. Ask, however, a mayfly or a plain ordinary heist fly what this fly thinks of spider webs, you'd get another scene. Well, now, here in the spider web, friends, we've got, we've got an entirely different view of what the world is about. And we have an entirely different view of what you're about. What uses to which you can be put as the eternal consumer of the goods Here's which are Stan Getz and Astro Giverto for <laughs> friends. Come closer, baby. Drop into my web. I have some flowers for you. Yes, lend me your ear. I will sing you some sonnets of 20th century chicanery. Stay tuned. Start tonight with my you still using that sweet kid stuff? Try the new toothpaste that gets teeth irresistibly white. You can actually feel the clean's whitening. Your whole mouth feels refreshed and invigorated. Get a white, start tonight with my cleans. I'm not kidding. You can hear your teeth squeak. They get real clean. Sure. Now you see, this is the difference between the web. Now, now, I would, I would like to, I would like to uh, ask another rhetorical question, since it is uh, the weekend and there's a lot of plans that are being made. Plans that are deep inside the mind of the individual. I'm talking about the unannounced plans. I am not discussing the plans where 
Oh, uh, say, manager, how about let's go on out to Jones Beach today, huh? We'll drive out in the Ford, yeah, we'll get there. Okay, you bring the potato salad. Well, now, that is not the type of plan I'm talking about because those are the comparatively simple plans to realize. Yeah, I'm not talking about the car. Hey, yeah, listen, manager, let's go on and see uh, James Bond again. That's the fourth time I've seen it, and you only seen it four times yourself. We're going to see it again, huh? Wow, have a big weekend, huh? I'm not talking about that kind of plan. I am not discussing the kind of plan where somebody says, Well, now, <clears throat> I, I believe what I'm going to do is go to the YMHA this Sunday afternoon. You know, they have this poet, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the kind of plan. I'm talking about a deeper, far more psychological, far more sneaky type of plan. The subtle little drifting smoke odd little edments of clouds, those little swirling bits of weaves and sticks and twigs, the little snowflakes that go drifting down through the dark, dark, velvet softness of your mind, those little things that say the unsayable. What are they saying? Yes, these are the things which I am curious will perhaps, perhaps not be fulfilled this weekend. Now, uh, viewing it from, from the other side, now, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you this, you know, this is the male side, of course, and I'm sure that there are a lot of female types listening. You're probably aware that drifting through the male mind are many very amorphous, shifting, uh, unspoken, unarticulated, unrealized, unframed. They're not even plans. They're vague dreams and drifting down through that cloud of masculine existence. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's impossible for a male to look at any female and know about these drifting things that go slowly sifting down through the female mind. Do they even sift? Are they there? How many of you have read uh, Thomas Wolfe? And I'm not talking about the guy that's dealing in the hack journalism locally here in town. I'm talking about Tom Wolfe from Asheville, North Carolina. How many of you remember Eugene Gant? Well, now, Gant, Gant, uh, <laughs> Gant, you could not, you couldn't in your wildest imagination confuse Gant with Barbara Streisand. Not a bit of it. Nowhere along the line. And especially his old man, W.O. Gant. Uh, do you remember W.O. Gant? Remember, he's from Nashville, North Carolina, so he has a certain kind of accent. And, and uh, I remember, I remember, I'm a kid, say I'm about nine years old when I'm first reading this thing, and W.O. Gant is stamping around in the house, and he's, he's hollering, Oh, God, what, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done to deserve this? How much longer is this going to go on? And he stands and shakes his fist at the heavens. He stamps out into the yard and stands amid his carved stone angels. He was a stone carver. And, of course, Look Homeward Angel was the title of the piece that I'm, in, I'm referring to here. And as old W.O. stomped around out there amid his stone angels, shaking his fist at the heavens, hollering, What have I done to deserve this, I ask you! <laughs> That's W.O. again. <laughs> Speaking of stone angels, this is W-O-R-A-M at FM New York. Daddy, they got a heart that is solid granite all the way. Hey, you're in my shower. 
forget your shower and follow us. Who? Peter Sellers. Oh. Peter O'Toole. Rami Schneider. Captain oh. Scene. Paul Apprentice. Ah. And least but not last, Woody Allen. And guest star, Ursula Andrews. So follow us. Where? To find the answer. To what? To the comedy question of the year. What? What's new? Pussycat. In color. A united artist with Lise. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa! This picture is recommended for adults only. Pussycat, pussycat, I love you. Yes, I do. Yeah, I bet that's adults. <laughs> that's a that's a phrase you better be careful about using. <laughs> Let's see, when does this clinker? Oh, uh, what's new in Pussycat starts Tuesday at the Astron Transluck East Theaters. Let's see. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm uh, wondering, <laughs> hey, George, you know, we're going to have a lot to answer for. I, I remember the other day seeing a letter uh, from some uh, some very pious listener addressed to another show on this station, by the way, a very pious show. In fact, the other day, one of the great, <laughs> one of the great comments that kind of came in through the transom there, one of my listeners, a guy says, he says, Shepherd. Uh, actually, uh, it, was, it was it was a gentleman of of advanced station, Shepherd. I want to tell you this, Shepherd. By ten fifteen, I've had my fill of sweetness and light. That station years ladles out more sweetness and light per square inch than any uh, any maniac I ever heard on the street corners yet. And by ten fifteen, I'm glad that you come along and you blow your kazoo, mm, and you ain't got no message, and you lay it down good, long, hard, and strong. Mm. I am sick of sweetness and light by 10.50. Well, it was a <laughs> I thought it was a great line. And the other one, which I saw, which was exactly the opposite, one of these uh, these uh, these laudatory letters written in a shaky hand, and it was addressed to one of the uh, very pious shows on the station, and it said, I believe that your program is going to be one of the very few that W.O.R. will not have to answer for before that great bar of eternal justice signed yours in pious eternity, Charles W. Waternabe. <laughs> Ready to try a great Holy fresh smokes. taste? New poor taste fresh. <laughs> If you're ready to try a great fresh taste, try Newport Menthol Cigarettes. Newport tastes fresher and tastes better than any other menthol cigarette. A blend of great-tasting tobaccos, white filter, and mild, natural menthol. You want me to pursue that any further? I mean, seriously? That the, the difference between males and females, it's very, very subtle and very, there ain't no bridging that gap. I saw, you talk about silly letters. I saw a silly letter the other day. 
written to one of the literary magazines, and it was about the subject of poetry. It seemed that some poet who was writing an article had the temerity to, to state that, uh, that there were no great women poets. Well, uh, somebody wrote back and says, that's a terrible thing to say. As a matter of fact, what about Edna St. Vincent Millay and Emily Dickinson? That there have been many great women poets. I don't think sex has anything to do with poetry. <laughs> Holy smoke, sex doesn't have anything to do with poetry. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I fielded that one nicely. And, uh, well, I tried to. Actually, I caught it on the knee, went for a two-base shot against the wall. But I realized, I realized that people today like to believe, it's a myth, it's a kind of universal myth that's growing, that there really isn't anything, there is no difference between the sexes other than a very slight physical one. They think it's very slight, see? And if you get the right kind of pants, even that will go away. Have you noticed how many ladies' pants now come with great big zippers in a very crucial place? Which, incidentally, is one of the greatest dreams of glory that I can imagine. <laughs> it's quite true. As a matter of fact, I know one ladies' boutique over on Lexington Avenue that is preparing to revise, or actually to, to bring back, they're, 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 they're planning to revive the ancient tradition of the Elizabethan theater, the cod piece. Incidentally, it's a ladies' boutique. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the dreams go on, they go on and on and on. And part of the dream, of course, that, uh, and I suspect it goes all the way back to our Constitution, that starts out as all men are created equal. People like to define that as saying all men are created the same, which ain't quite exactly true. <laughs> I mean, it just ain't the truth. And, and, and so this has been further defined as, as the, as the got the vote in one thing and another, that all people are created the same. Well, this leads to some terrible confusion, especially in the dark. In certain darknesses, I, it, it certainly does, and it leads to people who get very angry and, and write, write bitter novels. Many a bitter novel has been written by a lady that is really bitter about one thing, that she ain't Mickey Mantle. <laughs> this is really what she's bitter about. And on the other hand, it has led to other confusions where uh, male-type novels have written angry, bitter novels about one thing, and that's because they ain't Audrey Hepburn. And so <laughs> you're, you're, you're running into this, this wild in-between area of the great, vast, unrealized, undeveloped, unspoken dream. The, 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 the peculiar dream where man likes to think he is a floating soul that has nothing to do with that corporeal body, that big, fat old thing you're dragging around. That he is a pure mind. And all the while, his knee hurts. You see, I'm curious whether or not Columbus, standing on the bridge of his vessel, looking out, realized that he was opening a can of peas that would not stop. I'll tell you, it's produced everything. Columbus standing... Could he have even the vaguest concept that it would lead to the Ed Sullivan show? Irrevocably, like a Greek tragedy, it led to Ron Swoboda and the Mets... I mean, it's led to the whole can of peas right down the line. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine Columbus standing out there on that deck of that howling gale, looking into the teeth of that that wilderness lurking there beyond the edge of the horizon? He looks out there, and that Italian. Hey, remember, he was an Italian, you know, very emotional. 
He's got that Italianate soul going, that romantic soul. Could he have foreseen BBDNO and this atrocity? Yeah. I gotta read this one myself for crying out loud. Once you try Miller High Life, friends, it's your beer for life. They got a special ingredient you can book. It's a great beer with an honest to goodness premium flavor. Whatever that is. Miller High Life has a tradition of brewing excellence that originated in an ancient European castle many centuries ago. A moldy old castle, a tradition that has been carried forward in Milwaukee of all places. Well, we've got plenty of ancient European castles to brew beer in. This is Miller High Life, the premium beer. Enjoy life, it says. Isn't that sad? you got to get yourself gilled to the ears to enjoy life. You know? <laughs> so long, man. That's right. That's the way to work. Now, now, what I'm bringing, uh, I'm going to bring to the floor here is something. Thank you. Could you uh, recognize what I was playing? I will play it again. Things good. Now, uh, I'm going to ask a question, which I know I shouldn't in this day and age of the eternal dream. And uh, I have to approach you with a great deal of trepidation. And the question is this. Is it possible for any one man, any man at all, to even remotely understand those vague fugitive things that go in to make that potpourri, that gallimaufry, that that swirl out of little lights and trailing smoke rings and all of it, that thing called the mystique of the mind. Can you possibly understand what goes on in the mind of a female? I'm asking you. Do you think you can? I mean, other than just superficially. Now, everyone says, yeah, of course, I know old Madge. I know her well. Do you really? <laughs> I mean, do you really? Now, on the other hand, I'm going to ask another question. I wonder if it is possible for a female to understand those vague... Now, what I'm talking about are the unspoken thoughts. I'm talking about the unrealized thoughts, the thing that make a man masculine and the thing that makes a woman feminine. Now, that's opposed to the thing that makes a man male and a woman female. That's another thing entirely, see. And so, uh, as, a woman, as a woman looks at a man, can she understand W.O. Gant? Or does she keep hollering, Will you come in here, W.O.? Come on down here. we got to get the laundry ready. And he's shaking his fist at the heavens. And he's hollering, Wow, come on down. What have I done to deserve this? Does she understand? I wonder if Mrs. Ahab understood the captain. <laughs> Just a question, you know. You never hear much said about Mrs. Ahab. And, uh... I just wonder whether or not, uh, as as he came back from sea, you know, and that giant, the first the first big battle with the with the whale had resulted in him coming home, you know, he comes walking up the walk and he's got on a wooden leg, and she says, "I told you, I told you, I told you that next time you go out you're going to have trouble. Now why don't you take that job at the insurance office? Now you know that that nice Mister Peabody offered you that job. Why don't you take that job?" And he goes, gunk, gunk. 
Get out of my way, woman! And he goes, Hoom! and he takes that great big bottle of rum. Glug, glug, blah, blah. Ah, get, ah, George, ah, get that way. And, and, and two months later, he's on the, on the poop deck of the Pequod. And he is going into the teeth of a gale in the North Atlantic, stumping back and forth. Gunk, gunk, I'll get that whale. I'll get that whale. And she's back there on the, on the early telephone saying, I don't know what's the matter with him, Emily. I just can't understand that man. I just can't. And way out there in the darkness, you can see, you can see that tiny cockle shell of a vessel biting into the gale of the North Sea. And that giant fluke of a white whale. He raises the harpoon and says, Here comes another one! Here comes another one! Get the men in the flying machine. They go up to the up, up. They go down to the up. You're listening to the title song from the summer's biggest, most delightful motion picture. Those magnificent men in their flying machines. Or, How I Flew from London to Paris in 25 Hours. And 11 Minutes. Those magnificent men in their flying machines is an uninhibited, spectacular, carefree, magnificent two-hour romp of fun and romance. In fact, there's only one thing reserved about this movie. The tickets. Better order yours now. Did you hear that in there? Did you hear my Jews harp playing away there? That's very good. Uh, from 20th Century Fox, American premiere now at the DeMille Theater. Reserve seats are now on sale. Sounds exciting, isn't it? Gee whiz, wow. We're certainly fortunate to live in this time. And all those great creative people are working on our behalf at $19 a reserve seat. And Siri, life is rich, ripe, and wonderful. All courtesy of showbiz. <laughs> Can you imagine some poor guy not having ever seen gun smoke? I mean, seriously, can you imagine the number of people who lived and died before Ben Casey came on the scene? It makes you, you know, it makes you glad to be alive at this time. Can you imagine how many people lived? Do you realize that George Washington never saw Johnny Carson? Do you realize that? Poor son of a gun. Missed all of it. Can you imagine? By the way, that brings up another point. Can you imagine these guys sitting around there in the Continental Congress? And ben Franklin is there. And Thomas Jefferson is there. Have you, ever read, have you ever read Thomas Jefferson's ideas on what this great land is going to be like? It's incredible. Have you ever, have you ever matched it with the traffic jam on 6th Avenue? Can you imagine him trying, trying, to, trying to see that coming up? And, and here's Patrick Henry, the whole crowd. You know, they're, they're in Philadelphia, Washington. Is sitting there. He's not yet been appointed the first president, and they've just won the the final battle, and they've taken the sword of the British general, and now it is a free, fresh, new country, and they're preparing to set off that ship of state into the rocky, rocky, swirling, reefy sea of world politics. And uh, there they're sitting there, you see, with their cutaway blue coats and their wigs and their buckles, and they've ridden for 150 miles, some of them on their horses, and Thomas Jefferson has ridden three days from Virginia. Patrick Henry has come up on his horse, 
and here is Washington. He's arrived from his farm, and all these these giant men are sitting around. They were real men too, by the way. There wasn't a, there wasn't a Tony Perkins in a lot. I'll tell you that. And they're sitting around, there and, and and Washington has got his wooden false teeth in, and he's sitting there, you know. And a couple of you know they chewed tobacco. Are you aware that almost all of those guys chewed tobacco? Oh yeah, they had spittoons lined up. Whenever you see pictures of these guys, you never imagine what real rough customers they were. You always think of them as kind of country gentlemen who collected antiques, sort of uh, uh, early Bucks County residents. You know, it's the way you imagine. Oh yeah, you know, they very hung on uh, on uh, needlepoint and stuff like that. But they really weren't that way, and you could you could smell them a mile. You know, they didn't have they didn't have the kind of showers that we have now, and they did not have Life Boy soap. And uh, they no, they didn't have uh, the the uh, believe me the the colonial laundry was not was not working every other day there, and so these guys had ridden for hundreds of miles on horses, and you know what horses are like, you know, and so they're all sitting around in there, the steaming hot, the sun is laying it down there, and these guys are sitting there trying to figure out what now, what now, I say, my lord. We have arrived at this point in time and history. We have arrived at this great conflection of forces of an historical nature which have produced a new nation. We can go in either of several directions. We can become a monarchy. And I personally feel that the great tradition of the British Empire, in spite of its excesses, gives us Many things of great value. Well, all right. On the one hand, you had the view towards a... And it was very strong at that time. I wonder how many people know that there were a lot of guys who wanted to have a new king. They were not interested in setting up a democracy. They were interested in setting up a new kingdom. I believe I would like to see General Washington, because I believe that General Washington, more than any other single man in this assemblage, is responsible for the creation of our new country. I would like to see... This, by the way, was the view held by Alexander Hamilton, except that he thought of himself as king, really, but uh, nevertheless, he was all for that. And then on the other hand, you had you had the Thomas Jeffersons and people of that ilk who said, I believe, on the other hand, that as we stand here on the threshold of a great new chapter in history... I believe that we should consider the final and inevitable and inalienable rights of man of all time and all kinds. I believe that we should create with one with one fell movement of the pen, we should create a new and entirely unique concept of the dignity of the individual. And so you had these guys sitting around, see, smelling the high heaven by our standards and lights. And once in a while, one of them would just take his chaw and go, Tooey, boing! Yes, indeed. And you could hear the neighing of the horses out there in the yard, and you could smell the leather, and you could hear the creak of the shoes and the creak of the chairs, and that hot American breath is blowing in. And it was all beginning, all starting. And so they decided to have a continental concert. And they decided to decide... Ultimately, and for all time, just how man would live, they decided to write a constitution, a document, a neo-magna carta, 
They decided to lay it down in black and white forever. There, lurking between the lines, inevitably, was the Ed Sullivan Show. Lurking between the lines was the Dairy Queen complex. There, somewhere off stage, was Howard Johnson and his 28 flavors. And there, somewhere way off in the far-flung distance, way somewhere off so far away it could not even be guessed at or hinted at at the time, was Jack Parr. There they were, all waiting to leap into history on the wings of this this flying singing document. Things are sent to you as a special public service of WOR. <laughs> well, now, uh, now I, I've been, uh, you know, thinking about this, and uh, you know, you take a look at history and you, you realize that these guys could not have conceivably thought of this. Our time, believe me. Do you think that? Can you imagine Thomas Jefferson arriving at the World's Fair? <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a question. It's just a, you know, just thrown out. It's a big scientist piece through understanding. <laughs> you know, and underneath it is a is a is a traveling news bulletin. Have you seen that thing? It says war in Vietnam rages once again. San Domingo breaks out in an explosive condition that the Chinese say that tomorrow the world and it's peace through understanding. And uh, can you imagine taking him over to stand in line for 45 minutes before the Ford exhibit? Yeah, just. Standing in line, it's Tom Jefferson. Now, <laughs> he says, what are we going to see, my lord? I said, well, you just wait. This is the Ford exhibit. And he waits and waits, and then he sees it. How could he understand our mind? Could, do you think that he could comprehend uh, people waiting in line to ride in a car? Have you been on those rides? You know, you sit there and you ride in the car, and you're carried through little fairy tale caves with plastic cavemen all of whom look a little like Grumpy, the seventh dwarf from the end. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Have you ever seen the cutest bunch of people in there, those cavemen? I mean, even the bears are cute. You know, there's a little 
quality about them bears there, you know, that, that has the little elements of the three pigs. And, and he's sitting there in the front seat of this Ford Mustang that's being yanked along. And then it says Mustang on the side. You know, they had Mustangs when he was around, see? <laughs> he's being on this endless belt, you know, he's being yanked. This machine, this wild-looking thing, he's sitting in anyway. And they're pulling him through, and all the people, thousands of them, are sitting there with their little felt hats with the big orange plumes, you know. And some of them have got little hats that say, Go Mets, that light up in the dark, and little beer cans all over the side. And they're all sitting there, and, and it comes out into the sun. Finally, he arrives at the other end, and they all rush out, and they charge, and they stand in line at the GM building. And then poor old Tom Jefferson wanders through the streets there, and the only... Was it he who said, What hath God wrought? <laughs> Uh, so, so the only point, I guess, of all this is I'm wondering what is lurking in the wings that we can't even believe. <laughs> I'm serious. Can you imagine what uh, we can't imagine? Any more than Tom Jefferson could have imagined our world, we cannot imagine the world of 200 years from now. We can, and I don't care how good a, how good this science fiction writer tries to delineate it, how well he tries to work out, it's just not going to work. It could not have worked. There were guys writing fantasy fiction even in Tom Jefferson's day, you know. It just... It could, actually, in some ways, uh, the independent... The Declaration was, was a piece of fantasy fiction, you know, if you really want to get down to it. But nevertheless, uh, I, I could... They could not have comprehended that time. Speaking of that, by the way, I think we will carry on this theme tomorrow night at the limelight. Uh, shall I tell you about the wild weekend that I once experienced as a mere stripling? The time when I vacillated between total fantasy and unbelievable reality? The time when I kept getting thrown out of the room on the third floor of the Charlton Hotel in Joplin, Missouri by three large corporals in the whack, all of whom were wearing mustaches and sideburns and kept throwing me out into the hall? Do you want to hear that tomorrow at the limelight? Uh, for those of you who are more and more and more being drawn into the swirling, smoky, fantastic tidal wave of 20th century existence, we will be down at the limelight at five minutes past ten in the heart of lovely historical Sheridan Square. How, how many of you know that right across the street from the limelight, one of the great documents of the American Revolution was written? Tom Paine wrote The Crisis right across the street from the limelight. How do you like that? And we still got it going. That is the crisis. Uh, we'll be down there at five minutes past ten tomorrow night on Saturday. Be the first in your block. This is WOR Radio, your station for news.